if you have some mental health concerns, if you feel hopeless, helpless and carry some guilt and shame. It is highly advisable for you to contact a mental health helpline in your country of residence. Or better still, go to see your primary health care provider like a GP and share with them how you feel. But if you feel so distressed before, during or after this program, call your local emergency line. For example, in Australia, this is triple zero and in America is 911. And remember, God loves you and so do we. Next station, Adventist Reflections. To discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi, family. Welcome back to our last episode of Biblical Psychology for this year of 2019. I have saved this interview for this very moment. Because in here, I am going to introduce to you a podcaster, West Via. He shares with us his experience related to ADD and ADHD and some alternative avenues to minimize the symptoms. I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Welcome to the Adventist Reflections Podcast. I am excited today because I have a guest. And uh, I met this guest in one of our Adventist podcasters' uh, networks. And when I heard a, a little bit about his experience, I wanted you to hear about this too. And, and look, I am here to discover together about this experience because I do not know much about it. So I would like to welcome Wes from the... Wes via podcast? Did I say it right, Wes? Yeah, well, okay. Yep, that's right. So, you got it right. I got it right. Most people oh, don't do that. Oh, really? What did they say? Wes via? <laughs> via, via. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Very few people die on the shot. So, good job. Oh. <laughs> so, how are you going today, Wes? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. It's Sabbath really, really, really early in the morning. Oh, well, it's not that early anymore, but um, I, it's exciting to be here. It's your Friday afternoon, I believe. Is that is that correct? In Oklahoma? Yep, it is. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma. Awesome. Never been in Oklahoma. I hope to go and visit one day and see how it is in there. I'm going to be in the States at the end of the year, but I think Oklahoma will be too far away from, from um, California. Um, probably a flight yeah. or so. So uh, I reckon we should start by learning about you and um, who you are. I mean, I, we already established that you're in Oklahoma. I, I don't know much about it. So maybe tell us about Oklahoma as well. But who, who are you, Wes? Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm a pastor. Um, so I just moved to Oklahoma myself. Um, we, we moved around a lot. I've worked in ministry for uh, about 12 years in various capacities. 
right. um, all over the states. And uh, just about three months ago, we moved to Oklahoma. Right. And uh, we're out in western Oklahoma. It's Plains. And uh, everyone, there's a lot of uh, a lot of references to uh, red dirt or red earth because all the, oh. uh, the dirt here is very red. It'll stay in your clothes. Um, so it's just big, big open plains with red dirt. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, I pastored three years out here okay. and, uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I have been married for, uh, 10 years, just past June. We just had our first child in May. Wow. And so we just had a little baby boy. So we're adjusting to a lot of changes, a move, parenthood, uh, mm. being in a very rural environment. We've always been in more metropolitan environment. So lots of changes going on for us right now. Okay. And, uh, we're, we're getting to spend a lot more quality time together because there's not so many distractions out here. <laughs> so what churches do you pastor? I have three churches. Okay. Um, and so they, they make a triangle. So oh, I pastor Weatherford, Oklahoma, Elk City, Oklahoma, and Altus, Oklahoma is south. Right. And I live in Elk City and uh, it's an hour south to Altus and about 45 minutes uh, east to Weatherford. And uh, so a lot of driving. I'm doing yeah. about 800 miles. I can't convert that to kilometers for you, but it's about 800 miles. It's about 1200. Uh, a week. A week. Uh, wow. So That's crazy. Wes. A lot of time in the car. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Oil changes come in frequently. Yeah. So, yeah. There are three, three small churches. Um, you know, all of them have an attendance of around 30. And, um, and so, yeah, I'm just getting our feet, getting our feet on the ground here and getting to know everybody. Probably the biggest challenge for me is that. My my leadership style, my pastoral style is very mm-hmm. relational. And so mm-hmm. um, it's really difficult for me not having the opportunity to visit the way that I would like to visit to get to know everybody because it's just so mm-hmm. far. And I only have so much time that I can give to each church yeah. um, because, you know, it's a two hour, two hour drive time, you know, mm-hmm. to go to either church or Wake Up City. So. Um, it's a challenge, but, um, but I'm enjoying it so far. You know, it, it, yeah. it's, it's good to know that you're where the Lord wants you to be. And yeah. that makes it very, uh, very fulfilling. Yeah. I, I can only imagine yeah, how it will be fulfilling and at the same time a bit, uh, I don't know, frustrating is the right thing, but, uh, or term, but to, to not be able to see or feel that you're doing the ministry the way you will want it to be, you know, and relationally and building your community of faith so that you can actually reach out outside. So yeah, and 12 to 1300 kilometers a week. It's a lot. Uh, it's a recipe yeah. to burn out, I think. How long you been there again? <laughs> Uh, just three months. Okay. Just moved at the end of June. Okay. Where do you uh, move from? Uh, we moved from Spokane, Washington. Okay. So okay. Northwest from the Northwest down to central. I grew up in Texas, which is just below oh. Oklahoma. Okay. And so, and I grew up in North Texas. So for me, it feels, it feels pretty homey because the, you know, the people are pretty similar. The, the culture, you know, the way people talk and treat each other are pretty similar. So for me, it, it's very comfortable. It feels like being home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm being a Texan. I don't, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that, um, everyone around the world knows about Texas and probably knows that Texans are very proud. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a proud Texan, but, uh, I haven't <laughs> been able to live in Texas in a very long time. It's been over a decade since I lived in Texas. I left in 2007. Right. And, uh, have not had the opportunity to live there since. So 
I miss it a lot, but this is a, this is as close as I've gotten, and I'm glad to be this close. So awesome. Well, my my southernmost church is only like 20 minutes from the border. Oh so wow! I so, to, I could, so literally, you can just do do a, do a leap, you step in, and and have some Texan food or or similar. Okay, awesome. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. I, I'm getting to learn more about you, uh, and, and that's pretty exciting. You know, life in ministry, I think, sends us to places that we never thought we would be, or we will never thought we will return, or we hope that we will. Return. So, who knows? One day we might bring you to down under and um, and have you here with yeah, let's do it. with the snake sharks and everything else that we have here that eats you, kills you, and stings you. Uh, for those of you who listen, and I know there are many who are not from Australia who haven't been here. Not everything kills you. There are some of us who are nice, <laughs> so still come and visit. That was the stay. thing in Washington. Uh-huh. There was no poisonous snakes and no poisonous spiders. Oh that wow, that's 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 like a heaven. Yeah, and so we moved here, and there's like you know there's black widows and brown recluses and rattlesnakes and copperheads moccasins and you're getting prepared uh, to come here i'm telling you man (laughs) (laughs) i was driving down the road the other day and there's a big old giant tarantula just standing in the middle of the road so oh wow it's uh I don't th- down in the, the part of the world where stuff attacks you. Yeah, I, I don't think we have tarantulas here. That's what happened with people who come and migrate from New Zealand. Uh, in New Zealand, you don't have any of the things that we have here, even though it's just across, you know, you just swim and you're there kind mm-hmm. of thing. And people do get a bit hesitant, I don't know, scared or anxious about all these snakes and the spiders and everything else we have. Yeah. Now, Wes, so a few months back, we spoke here in the, in the Adventist Reflections podcast about... Uh, ADHD and the potential benefits of medication. You know, we, we had here Ryan Baker from the Absurdity podcast. Um, and when I learn about part of your experience with ADHD, uh, I mm-hmm. thought that this was something that will bring a perspective, perhaps a balance, but also perhaps even a challenge to some. But in my opinion is this is something worth sharing. And so I would like to ask from you, I think maybe we could start in, in this idea of ADHD and medication, um, what your experience sure. was. Let, let us start maybe with your experience being diagnosed. I mean, uh, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. What did you try? Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you go with that? My mother worked in um, mental health. Okay. She was a case manager at a, at a psych hospital. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I think, I think I was first diagnosed in like 88 or 89. Okay. And it was right, right when ADD was starting to come on the map, you know, ADHD wasn't even the thing yet. Mm-hmm. Right. I was diagnosed with ADD at first. Yeah. And, um, and so I don't, you know, I was in third, third grade, mm-hmm. um, third or fourth grade at the time. And, uh, it might've been closer to 90 then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went to the doctor, they did the test, I got diagnosed, whatever. And they started, they started, um, trying to find the right dosage of medication. You know, I think, um, you know, I've worked in education. I've talked with parents. I think there's a common misconception that like, you know, well, you take Ritalin or you take Adderall or you take, um, a couple of those are, their names are escaping me right now. Mm-hmm. And like, you just take that and it works. And so, I, you know, I've talked with a lot of people that, that feel like, well, my kid was diagnosed with ADD, but the medication didn't work. And when I talked to him, it's like, well, they gave us this medication. It didn't fix it. So we stopped. Mm. My, my mom, I mean, I don't remember this part, but my mom has told me that it was very difficult to find a dosage of medication that would work for me. Right. Um, right. and so, um, I ended up on Ritalin at the time mm-hmm. and, and I had to be on name brand. She couldn't do generic because there's differences in the tolerances, mm. um, that they allow name brand versus generic. And she found 
um, through trial and error. And just, you know, because she had her, the doctors that I was going to were friends of hers and they worked with her maybe more than, you know, someone might have access to outside of the mental health field, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we worked down and found that I, I was on for many years, I was on a five milligram dose of Ritalin. And I think I had to take it three times a day mm-hmm. and, um, and it couldn't be the extended release and it had to be named brand to the point that she told me at one point, and this was back, she was paying three to $400 a month because insurance wouldn't cover uh name brand. It would only provide generics. So wow. she was having to pay out of pocket Yeah, wow. and she got a batch didn't work. And if she, you know, she just says it was like that, that much of a switch. I don't remember this, you know, growing up when I think back about this, um, I don't remember being able to tell a difference okay. you know, when I was on the medicine or not medicine. I was kind of oblivious to the whole thing. Like I was just going to doctors and they were, you know, giving me medicine. I was taking it. Mm. I don't remember you know, that much about it, but mm. she said she got this batch and it didn't work. And she called the, the manufacturer and talked to him and they checked the QC and found out that that batch had not met, had got out and hadn't met its, um, you know, its specifications. And oh, so they no sent way. her a new bottle and she sent that one back. It was very specific for me. Wow. The tolerances had to be the dosage. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's continued. So, you know, the other part of it for me was that, um, my dad was not super supportive for the most part of me being on medication. Okay. Um, and so, uh, he, he didn't like the idea of me having to be on medication to fix me. Okay. He did come around at some point and probably one of the most beneficial things that he did that has really helped me through my adult life is that when I was on the medication, he always emphasized to me, pay attention to how you feel right now. Think, you know, realize how your mind is working, how your brain is feeling, like how you're viewing the world right now while you're on medication. Okay. And then when you're not on medication, cause they would take me off in the summer, mm-hmm. he would like, he would just tell me like, you're not on medication, then try to try to achieve that without the medication. Sure. All right. And so it, it gave me this idea, you know, like the, to, to pay attention mm-hmm. to what was happening yeah. when I was on the medication, when I was on the medication, um, to kind of con- compare and contrast the differences. Um, this was in my, in my, uh, like early teen years. Yeah. And so with that, it, you know, he wasn't, you know, we, we always kind of went back and forth and eventually at some point, uh, around high school, like I just stopped taking medication. And uh, went without medication all the way up until my uh, my thirties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand two thousand fourteen was so probably from about ninety five ninety six to two thousand fourteen I was not on medication at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, two thousand fourteen, I uh, was just really having a hard time uh, staying focused. Mm. I had a lot of responsibilities at the time. And uh, didn't feel that I was operating at full capacity. And so I started trying to get the medication to work out again and, and had a lot of challenges. And then it was it was even more difficult because I hadn't been in treatment for um, for a you know, whatever that is, mm. you know, long time, almost almost 20 years. Um, the doctors were real hesitant to give me medication. Um, mm. And so uh, I, they actually told me, like, you know, like they just straight up asked me, like, are you just trying to get drugs? And I was like, no, like I have any <laughs> some amphetamines, man. <laughs> sure. So, like, I, you know, so, um, you know, I tried a couple different things. Um, I tried Adderall. I tried Adderall XR at that point, trying mm. to get the dosages right. Mm. Um, it was either, you know, when I would first start taking it, it would really work well and then it would just taper off. Mm. Um, but then we try to up the dosage and it would just wire me to the point that I just felt like I was on cocaine. Mm. And so, 
didn't, uh, we never could quite get it right. And so I finally, I moved away, didn't feel like going through the mess of getting reestablished with another doctor and let it sit for another about three years mm. and then tried again. And this time I tried with Stratera, which is, um, mm-hmm. Atomoxetine, I guess it's a non-stimulant version. Yeah, yeah. And, and that one worked for a while, but had trouble with it getting the dosage right. And then I ended up moving again. We had just kind of got the dosage figured out, and I moved again, mm. and uh, and it didn't work out. Um, and I, I stopped taking it because I wasn't in such a stressful environment. So when I'm not in a like a high stress, you know, high demanding environment, mm-hmm. like I don't really feel like I need it. I can kind of function without it if I don't have a lot of mental demands. Right. So I don't take it. Um, but then just recently I started trying to take some of the Stratera that I had started easing back into the dosage cause you can't just jump in. You got to really work yourself up with Stratera. Mm. And, uh, anyway, I just had really bad side effects and was like almost to the point of narcolepsy with it. Um, and fell asleep, uh, driving with my family in the car one time. So then I stopped and, right. uh, I'm just starting to look for a doctor here that I can start working with it again because I do feel like I need that medication, uh, even though I, you know, I do some other things, um, to help with that, but, um, to help me kind of like focus, but it's not quite the same. So mm. about to, about to start the journey of trying to find a doctor who won't think I'm a drug addict trying to score <laughs> <laughs> and actually help me work through and find the right, uh, right dosage and right frequency. So, right, right. So it, it sounds that, um, throughout your journey was the point came in, in your life when you started to realize that, hang on, you know, I do need something. I'm not, I'm having difficulties with, with concentration. We're paying attention to things. Um, and that's when you started to think, well, maybe I should go back onto this stuff that people told me that I needed when I was a kid. Uh, and you did. And mm-hmm. sometimes uh, you were quite sensitive. And that's one of the things that I think is so important. I think if I were to make a bracket here to people who listen, and that is that uh, sometimes we, we don't react the same to the same medications. And I think the blessing or the good thing about, uh, having an array of different medications is that we could try something else and, and we could tweak it and change it until the right thing comes. And I have heard a lot of patients who come and, and, and they do feel that they don't want to take it because the first time it didn't work. And, and let us reconsider that, I guess. Yet on the other mm-hmm. side, um, there, there are some things that were happening, um, to you. One of the things that caught my attention when you were talking about it and when we were just chatting on Messenger is that idea of, um, the narcolepsy because I never heard that from the medication before. And, 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 and I guess you, you didn't mention to me, you know, that says that it could cause uh, drowsiness and, you know, don't open it, don't, don't operate heavy machinery and all that kind of stuff, which is, I think it just a very a blanket yeah. statement. All the drug companies of this kind of yeah. drug put in there, uh, just for liability reasons. Um, but yeah, that was amazing. You know, almost caused kind of an accident as you just fell asleep on the, behind the wheel. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. couldn't believe I mean, it. They'll have a rump on the side of the road down there. Yeah. But, uh, up here on all these states, they put, you know, they groove the pavement. So when you, Cross over the line and going out of the lane makes a noise. It makes this really loud noise. So <laughs> I hit that. And my wife was in the seat next to me, and anyway, it just—I <laughs> tried to play it off because it happened right at an exit, so I just kind of like followed it onto the exit. <laughs> oh no, she was not. She was not. <laughs> no, and so I decided I had to stop. And when I first started taking Stratera, as we were working it out, I would I would get to the point where I had to take a nap, like about between two and four. It would come on at different times, and okay. I'd go go lay down for ten, fifteen. I'd set a timer for fifteen. 15 minutes and um and just lay, sometimes most of the time i didn't even sleep i just had to go and uh and then i would actually use that time um 
for some mindfulness exercises as well at the time and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, 15 minutes and then boom, I'm good to go. Um, but this last time, and it may just be that I, you know, I was working with kind of, you know, I didn't have, probably couldn't get the dosage right and it made mm-hmm. it worse because I was working with leftover supply and it may have, honestly, it may have expired because it was about two years old. So after two years, after two years, if you have insomnia, then use it and it will help you to fall asleep. Um, I, look, I, I, yeah. I want to make a disclaimer because I would like to, I would like to maybe, Obviously, you're at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm, what, this is what I got from what you said before. You are not on any medication. Mm-hmm. You at the moment and nope. you might be exploring potential options about, Hey, you know, let, let's see what could work for me. But obviously you have been mm-hmm. through all this time that you haven't been on it, uh, having to cope with this, having to do something else. And, and, and that's something that I think is interesting to me because medication in most cases is not everything that we have. Even when we go to things like there are no mental health concerns or uh, as such that they're more tangible in the physicalities of things, you know, you might have cellulitis, you might have a uh, cardiomyopathy, you might have whatever you want to call it that is physical. Medication might play a role in it, but there's other things, lifestyle things that we can utilize to improve uh, our condition and sometimes even lessen the dosages. Now, before I say any more, I I do want to make a disclaimer in here. This episode, this podcast is by no means intended to be medical or psychological advice, but more so reflections of Wes and myself talking about a personal journey and an experience. Um, so take it as such and not as something to follow. Always seek medical advice. But let us digress a little bit uh, in what I was talking. How have you been able to um, keep up with everything? I mean, sometimes when a stress comes and that's something that you identify when a stress, when a stressful situations comes or the pressures start increasing, you can see that the this is deteriorating. Um, I guess mm-hmm. one is. What is it that deteriorates? What what are the things that show that um, that you're struggling? What are your signs and symptoms, if you want to call it? And two, mm-hmm. having that you're not on medication, how are you managing this? What, mm-hmm. what have you found to be useful for you? So, yeah. So for years, you know, for about 20 years, I wasn't on medication. So I'll just kind of take you through the history of how I got to where I'm at and how I mm-hmm. kind of decided on how I handle it now. Okay. Um I had a job. I was working for Sirius Satellite Radio, and um, I had reports that were due every week. and And I never got my reports done, ever. It was like literally like a ten question, multiple choice checkbox thing. Like it was drop downs, and it wasn't hard. But I would always be behind on my reports, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was normal. Like I did, you know, I didn't. I mean, I kind of knew like that none of my other coworkers, you know, struggled with it as bad as I did. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just didn't click for me for years. Like I just was oblivious to the whole idea of being uh, ADD. There was a time in my life where I just, you know, I, I did, you know, I got used it as a means to get the prescription to, you know, make a little extra money or um, <laughs> you take it out of it. if you need the medication, it'll it'll do the trick. And so, sure. um, you know, I, I hadn't really processed it all. I didn't have the introspection to really deal with it. But like I mentioned, my dad had always told me, like, you know, think about it, like notice the difference, you know, and pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as, as years went on, like I would just I would always be daydreaming. Mm. I would have a hard time staying in the moment. Um, okay. You know, I really identify with some of the stuff that Ryan said, because, um, <laughs> you know, I have you know, I was, I was actually sitting on my couch in my office looking at this bookshelf behind me. 
and to going through mentally I'm like which books have I read cover to cover and which books have I started and not finished because um like you mentioned like you pick up a book and you can be super interested in the book but um you probably won't get through it no matter how interesting it is to you and reading is a is a chore for me and if I'm if I you know if I'm not on medication it's very difficult mm-hmm. And so that was just my life. And I just thought it was normal. I had a hard time staying in the moment. Mm-hmm. I was always chasing my thoughts down and I would be living. I mean, it honestly felt like during that, that 20 year period before I started, um, you know, trying some different things. Like I always felt like I was living in a different time. I wasn't living in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would start thinking about something that was going on in my life right now. And by the time I was done, I had followed all these potential consequences till 20 years down the road. And living in some, you know, wonderland that was probably never going to be reality. And, mm. and that was very discouraging to me that I, you know, it was, it, it was depressing to think about what could be and then have to come back to reality of what's not right. Mm. This was all before I, um, you know, had my, my spiritual conversion as well. And, mm. and that plays a factor in it for me uh, also. But mm-hmm. when I, when I started, uh, just before I started trying the medication again, I was working for a company in project management and I had a lot to do, a lot on my plate. And um, I started having, I didn't realize what they were, but I, I realized later, a little bit longer down the line that I was having panic attacks. I was having anxiety attacks. Right. And it was because there was so much to do and I would just get overloaded and, and then I would just, my brain would just shut down. I'd literally have to like reboot. So I just get panicked. My mind would like overload and I'd have to like hit a hard reset and I'd be just be dead stuck in my chair for like 20 minutes. Couldn't get up, couldn't do anything. Started talking to a friend at church that was a, a psychologist and she identified that it was panic attacks and she gave me um, some steps to try before we started talking about medication. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was able to deal with those, with that situation just by taking some practical steps. I made a list and would work the list and, mm-hmm. you know, if people came in and, and wanted to, wanted me to do something, I would, you know, decide whether or not I was going to put it at the top of the list or the bottom of the list, but I got to make that decision. So these practical steps of steps of just, um, looking at the situation and making a decision um, really helped me. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to take care of that without medication. Mm-hmm. And I realized looking back on it, that the reason I was having those anxiety attacks is because I wasn't dealing with my, my ADHD. And so I wasn't able to process, you know, mm-hmm. uh, easily. And I was getting lost in what I had to do because I had so much. Mm-hmm. So when I started taking medication, you know, the great thing about medication is that, you know, it makes it possible for you to, think clearly, to right. think logically, to think step step. Um, and so, man, I just was super, super pumped whenever I uh, started taking medication because, you know, as we try different stuff, you know, at the beginning of the dose, it's just like a light bulb turns on and just you see the world clear, you know, everything makes sense. And it just is like, oh, I just do this and this and this and this and this. And I've accomplished all this stuff in the day mm. when when I'm not on medication, um, just taking out the trash just seems like an insurmountable task. It's like I've got mm. I've got so much to do today. I don't have time to take out the trash, but taking out the trash is literally a two minute job. <laughs> and I'm going to waste more than two minutes worrying about whether I have time to take out the trash. Yeah. Right. But that's that's just the struggles that, that I have, um, you know, in, in dealing with this. Yeah. So. Um, through, through just different things. Like I, I just, you know, I like to explore things. I like to listen to things and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was listening to a podcast is the rich roll podcast. And, uh, and he had on, uh, Michael Gervais, Michael Gervais is a, a human performance psychologist. He works with Red Bull and, uh, okay. he consults with like the Seattle Seahawks and, and different things. And so they were talking about, 
his work with Felix Baumgartner, who was the guy that jumped, you know, skydive from space a few years back. Right. Wow. And, you know, Felix, Felix was having a hard time staying in the suit, right? He, he, he actually walked out on the, on the project because he couldn't stay in the suit. He didn't trust the suit. Okay. And, um, you know, Dr. Gervais was just sharing how he used mindfulness to help, um, Felix process the emotions that he was feeling, the, the, the mental challenges that he was facing. And that's how he was able to, cause they couldn't put him on drugs. They're sending him into space. Like he can't be on drugs to like calm him into anxiety or whatever, you know? Mm. And so, um, that got me thinking, you know, like just kind of piqued my interest about what, what mindfulness could, you know, offer in terms of just, you know, human performance or whatever, you know, mental acuity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there was another guest a little while later, uh, Andy Puticombe who is the founder of Headspace, which is an app for mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And, and listening to him talk, I just thought, man, you know, this, this makes sense. I think I want to give this a try. And so I, uh, I started, you know, reading some blogs and uh, watching some videos and then finally decided to, to download the Headspace app and, you know, okay. and just kind of try it out and see mm-hmm. what it was all about. And for me, the biggest thing that it's offered to me is learning how to deal with my thoughts when my thoughts are running. After you get past the initial, you know, 10 days, the 10 day deduction in the Headspace app, you can start going on these different tracks. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which one I went down, but there was this one point in, in the mindfulness practice in, in, you know, Andy Puticombe, you know, narrates all of them. And, and he explained what you're trying to do like this. He said, imagine that you're sitting on the side of a road mm-hmm. and there's cars driving. Mm-hmm. He's like, our, our objective here is not to get rid of the cars. The cars are there um, and they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is just watch the cars go by, but not get obsessed with any one car. So, um, so the cars are our thoughts, right? And we're sitting there. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to uh, latch on to a car and follow it down the road and, you know, like Mm -hmm. fix our attention on it. Mm -hmm. And that just that hit for me because that's 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 what happens in those times when I when I get running and I'm, you know, living in the future and I'm not living in the presence because I started, you know, attaching to thoughts that were useless thoughts. Right. Right. And they were distracting me from the useful things that I needed to do. Mm. And so I've been able to take that, that visualization has been huge for me to be able to then go into my mind and almost weed through all the different thoughts that are going on in my mind. Mm. Right. Cause I think, you know, I don't, I doubt that ADD people's mind work any faster, but there's lots of thoughts going on in my mind, mm. lots of different things. Some of them are useful, some are like, so for today, for example, a couple of hours ago before we were getting on this, I had a lot to do today. I had to go pick up groceries. I had to take my son to the doctor. I had to finish my sermon prep for tomorrow. Mm. Um, I had this interview. And um, and so I you know, got a couple of those things done. And what I needed to do in those two hours before you know, we were going to get on here is I needed to work on my sermon. Mm-hmm. I spent 45 minutes doing nothing, literally nothing. <laughs> right. And so then I decided, OK, I'm going mm-hmm. to um, you know, stop. And I went and I got my Bible out. I read for a little bit and then I prayed. I started praying. I realized like my whole mind was just focused on this interview, but that wasn't what I needed to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. Right? I needed to be working on my sermon. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I do this in prayer a lot because I find it difficult. Like I'll, I'll get distracted in my prayers and I'll be off, not even praying anymore, but just completely chased down some, some uh, rabbit trail that came out of something I was saying to God, but then I got distracted by it. Mm. So, you know, I just went in and I, and I just acknowledged the fact that I was not focused on what I needed to focus on. And, 
Um, and, you know, just kind of set my intention that I needed to focus on, um, my sermon prep. Yeah. And and it it took me, it took a little bit to work through it, you know, maybe three or four minutes to get where I could, uh, you know, bring my attention to that, brought my attention to that, finished praying and then came and, you know, knocked it out. But it, you know, it took me, you know, took a little, a good little bit of like intentional work in my mind to get, to let go of the things that didn't matter and, and attach myself to the things that were important for the moment. Right. And, and so that's, that's, that's the biggest win that I've gotten out of this, um, is that, you know, and it, it doesn't, it's difficult, you know, when I'm on medication, I still use the practices because, uh, but they just work a lot faster. Right? Sure. I can do it a lot quicker and a lot easier. Right. But uh, but it helps me, you know, when I recognize that I'm not achieving what I needed to achieve, I, I have a means to be able to go through and understand how my mind works mm. and understand how to bring myself to a place where I can be focused on what I need to mm. focus on. So um, what I'm hearing, Wes, is that um, you, you discovered this idea of utilizing exercises to focus on the here and the now, to be able to... To, to, to take a step back, perhaps, to, to allow yourself, your body and your mind to relax somehow. Uh, in, in a nutshell, you're doing these relaxation exercises. Some people might call it meditation exercises. Now, here's the thing. This is puzzling to me. You are a Christian and yet mm-hmm. you are sourcing yourself to something controversial in many circles of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you balance the view that, the views that um, perhaps most fundamental Christianity has on meditation and the actual practices of, of relaxation, of, of being able to, to utilize these things that sometimes we see them as mystical per se? And, and mm-hmm. help yourself. Did you ever thought, Hey, you know, this is controversial. I shouldn't be in this line of thinking. Oh, maybe I should be careful. Uh, what, what, what went through your mind as you process this? Or oh, maybe that was never in your radar. What, what do you think? No, it definitely was. You know, I, uh, I did think about that a lot. And, and for a long time, um, you know, for, for a few years before I ever actually dipped my toe, I didn't understand. Uh, meditation, I only had, you know, only understood what I've been told. Right. And I think that's, I think that's where most people are. Most Christians are, is that they've been told something by someone Mm -hmm. and they just believe that. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to a point, I, I think there's a time in the Christian experience where that's useful and, and, you know, you need just kind of boundaries set up, especially early on. But I had come to a point in my walk where I had found what I had been given as I um, came into the church, back into the church. Um, I was I was delivered a system of belief that after about four or five years, I found wanting Mm -hmm. and and realized that that what what I had been given, what I had taken from others at face value Mm -hmm had left me a place where um, Christianity didn't have much value for me. And and I was struggling to have a relationship with God, even though I knew that God was real in my life. He had done some miraculous things. I was, It was very difficult for me to connect with him, to have a devotional life, to feel that he was real. Right. And so I went through a process of questioning. Mm-hmm. I realized um, that if truth is truth, it can withstand questioning. Right. And so... I I went through a process with my entire belief system, right? Even though I was raised in the Adventist church, there's things that are pretty incontrovertible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
until, you know, even in, in, in all of my experience being in and out of the church, I had a couple months ago before we moved, I went and visited a friend of mine's church. Uh, that was a Sunday church. It was the first time in my life in 37 years I'd been to church on Sunday. Okay. You know, I just, that was never an option for me when I was struggling with faith and, mm. you know, apart from Christ and people were trying to invite me to church, like I would not even consider going to church on Sunday, right? Because I believe the Sabbath, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I came to this place and just decided, you know what, everything's going to be up for question. Mm-hmm. And if truth is truth, it can stand questioning. And God is not going to be, um, God is not going to be offended mm-hmm. if I question. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I, the one thing that I took and I was talking, you know, I was talking with someone recently and they're, they're in this phase in their life where, where they've had a kind of a break in their faith and they started to question. And we were talking and I told him, I said, look, I think questioning is good. But I, for me, what was important for me is in that time is that I decided that um, that I I believe that God was real, and I believe that His Bible was trustworthy, mm. and so everything else you know came off the table, and I started from there. God is real; He's given me His Bible, mm. right? So I had an anchor for questioning. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to question everything in light of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's important. I, I see a lot of people that start to question things and, and look for answers and they throw everything out and they remove their, their anchor. Right. And, and so, you know, you have to, you have to, if you're going, if you've been, if you've been a Christian and you say, I wonder whether or not this is real, um, you can't decide whether or not what you believe is true by throwing it out and going, looking for answers otherwhere other places, you have to question what you have believed to be true and, um, and then decide what's, what's worth keeping. Right. Right. So you have to start from your, from place where you're at. I think a lot of people miss that step Okay, and then you don't have, you don't have a system to work with. So, so the big thing for me is, is that I I became willing to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Another piece that is really important to this, and this is all just framework so that to kind of help understand where my thinking is, Mm -hmm. is that because I'm a Christian, I, I do believe in a um, in in kind of a black and white theory of good and evil, right? I believe that that there is truth and there is error. I believe that there is a God, and if there's a God, I believe that there is a devil. So mm. if there is a God and He has given us religion, um, then there has then the the enemy of God mm-hmm. would be trying to counterfeit that religion, right? Because I believe that every person is built with a spiritual void, like a desire for something supernatural in their life. Mm-hmm. And and only something that, that fits a specific criteria is going to fill that void. I think that right. God built us that way. I think that's part of the lost in the fall. And so when I look at, at other belief systems that are not Christian, mm-hmm. right, I I look at them and say that belief system is filling is is connecting in that spiritual void in some way, but it's been counterfeited. And if that's the case, and people might not agree with that presupposition, but if that's the case, then you you know, like I don't know how it is in Australia, but in America we don't have a seven dollar bill. Yeah, we don't. Right? So if you're going to counterfeit <laughs> a bill, you're not going to counterfeit a seven dollar bill, sure. right? You're going to count one or a five or a twenty or a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was when I was looking for when I was considering this, I realized that that there are a lot of things in Eastern mystical religions that I don't think are um, beneficial. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just my own assessment of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I, I am leery of um, meditation practices that are about emptying yourself, mm. you know, clearing your mind, right. you're removing all thoughts. 
Um, those type of things I, I, I see as a problem, right? Because God has given us a brain mm. and, you know, if he gave it to us, he designs for us to use it, right? He doesn't ask for blind, empty submission, right? right? He asks for thoughtful consideration mm. and submission, right? So, right. so those types of things that they, they concern me, but, um, but there has to be something good in there. Mm. It, it's connecting at some level for someone. It's meeting a need that, that exists in every human being. And so, I felt like there had to be something of value mm. in these other belief systems, these mystical belief systems. And if you look at church history, right, if you if you if you actually do a survey of, of church history and you look at, at the, the mystical practices that we're so weary of in the church now are actually rooted back to like right after the, you know, John died. Right. So in the early church fathers in, in the in the 100 A.D.s, we start to see these mystical practices, you know, in the church. And so. I realized that that this had been something that was part of uh, Christianity in its early days, right? And there had just been this separation at this point that it has been just completely removed from it. So I felt like there had to be something there, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, it was a number of years of just kind of cautiously looking um, and just observing and listening as people talked about their experiences until I found mindfulness, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it's exactly what it's mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing is... You when you start out your practice, you start by breathing deeply, right? Focusing on your diaphragm, focusing on your breathing, and then you you check in with your body, and so you start by like scanning down from the top of your head and just just moving your mind's eye down your body, mm-hmm. and you realize places where you're tight, where you're tense, where you're holding you know anxiety or stress, um, where you're feeling pain or discomfort, right? You're just you're you're becoming a fully aware of how you're feeling, mm-hmm. right? What you're experiencing in your physical body. And then you began to work on recognizing the thoughts that are going through your head, right? Not to remove them. Like it's not about getting rid of them. It's just about recognizing that they're there mm-hmm. and then learning how to interact with those thoughts mm-hmm. to, to not let them steal your attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, and then the outflow of that then in real life is that now I feel like I've gotten a better sense of what are my thoughts? Because I spend time with my thoughts mm-hmm. in, a, in a very structured way. And I feel like it's made me more sensitive to recognize when the voice that I'm hearing is not my own. Mm-hmm. Right. So there are times when I realize that, OK, this is this is a different voice than what I normally hear. Right. So then I'm more sensitive to what what is that voice? Right. And, and is it is it God trying to speak to me or is it or is it not? Mm-hmm. Right. So it has heightened my ability to be aware of when God is trying to, when I say voice, it's not like I'm hearing voices, but you know, the, the thought processes, sure. the, you're, you're on the interactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it has helped to kind of give structure to that so that I can process that, be more aware of, of when God is trying to lead me, when I'm, when I'm telling myself that this was the big one for me is that I'm a lot more aware now of what I'm telling myself that I'm getting something that I'm, I'm doing something because I believe that's what God wants. Like I'm much more aware of when I'm just trying to convince myself of a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was a big thing for me is that um, I spent a lot of time trying to convince myself that something was what God wanted for me when really it was just my own selfish mm-hmm. ego trying to, to do something, me, you know, sanctify my own desires. Right. Not to say that I don't still do that, but I'm much more aware of it, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm able to to make decisions about how I'm going to interact with with those thoughts. Mm. So where do you think 
we draw the line because obviously there's these practices and, and they bring some benefits and yet there might be, you know, you talk about that counterfeit and, and the devil utilizing things that, uh, from the good things that are there for us to get some benefit. And yet he puts there mm-hmm. something that is perhaps, uh, bringing us, drawing us away from our Christianity, from our experience, from our connection with Christ. Where do you think mm-hmm. as a Christian we could, should, or might be careful of? Where do we draw the line about these practices? Um, is it free for all? You, you did mention something about the idea of, uh, putting your mind in blank. And that's the one thing that catches my attention, of course. Um, but, um, what is your, your perspective about this? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't talk super openly about this. Like, you know, okay. I talk about it in, in the podcaster group that we're in. I love that group because it's just a safe space to talk. Okay. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I will talk about it, but just in day to day practice, I don't spend a lot of time urging other people to do this mm-hmm. because even, even the whole process that I went through of saying, okay, I'm just going to take everything off the table, right? I was at a place in my spiritual walk where, um, I came to that because I was at a place where I was about to walk away. Okay. You know, I had, I had been through some experiences and I was about to walk away. I found my faith dry and, and lacking vibrance. And, and, and so it was kind of like a last ditch effort to, to maintain my, my Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and, so I don't, I don't urge that on people, okay. right? Because some people need the structure and, and, and different people at different points in the journey, they need the structure. Um, you know, the big thing is, is that, like I said, I started from a very rooted place. And I think that's the first thing people have to, people have to commit to letting the Bible be authority in their life. Mm. If you're going to be a Christian and you're going to, you're going to explore other things. The first thing you have to decide is that you are going to allow the scriptures to guide your decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. To the best of your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be willing to take whatever it is and take it to the scriptures in an open way okay. that you're going to have. Uh, you're going to have mentors and advisors, friends that you're going to listen to. Um, you know, you're going to you're going to ask questions. You're not going to exist in a vacuum and right. then just kind of decide whatever you are going to decide. You know, God has given us the church um, to help us, to guide us, you know, to, to, to help us avoid errors. And so. You know, I've talked about these things with with people and I've, um, you know, I've taken them to God and I've moved slowly. Right. So so this was a process that I started in 2012. Right. And um, it, I would say it's still a very active process in my life, but I move very slowly. Like I'm not just rushing off and I'm like, oh, this seems good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I dabble. I dip my toe. I pay a lot of attention to how things are affecting my thinking. Mm-hmm. If I'm starting to doubt God, if I'm starting to doubt the scriptures, if I'm starting to um, believe things that I did not believe before, then I stop and I spend time with that until I decide what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things need to change. Sometimes, you know, my beliefs have evolved and I but I I believe that I can substantiate that scripturally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so it's it, you have to have you have to be rooted in doing it. I don't think that it's a process that everyone should undertake at any particular point in their journey. Sure. Um, you know, and, and some, some people have, you know, um, there's no way to say this. It doesn't sound arrogant as I'll get out. And I don't mean it to sound this way, but some people don't need to question and that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, 
They, they, they are very confident in their, in what they believe. They're very secure in a relationship with Jesus. And there's, there's no need for them to quit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong at all. But the, for my mind, the way my mind worked, the challenges that I was facing, um, you know, I, I needed this journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed to get to this point where, um, you know, it was just, it was part of the, the strength of my relationship with God. Okay. You know, okay. I used to spend a lot of time trying to argue, um, you know, philosophy and science and all that stuff to, to can, you know, to, uh, substantiate, you know, the claims of the Bible. And now mm-hmm. the only answer I have, you know, that is that I know, I know Jesus. And if you would like to know Jesus, I can help you to, you know, I can share with you how I know Jesus and, and, you know, the, the way that I know him. And, and that's, that's the only thing that matters to me, right? I can, I'm not going to argue you into believing the way that I believe. I believe what I believe because I know a man and his name is Jesus. Okay. Right? And so I take everything. To, and so this has just been the, the part that is, that has helped me to be able to, um, strengthen that relationship with Jesus. I mean, I couldn't hardly pray before okay, because I couldn't keep my mind mm. here and now because I was around. So then I wasn't able to have a, uh, a thoughtful communicative relationship with God mm-hmm. because I couldn't control my mind. Mm-hmm. Right? And even, even when you get on medication, this is the thing that I think people need to understand is that even when you get on medication mm-hmm. for something like ADHD, yeah. if you don't understand how to deal with your thoughts, it's not going to fix the problem. Mm. Right. Medication is not magic bullet. It just makes it possible it, mm. it alters your brain chemistry so that you can think slower but you still have to know how to think mm. you still have to know how to deal with the thoughts that are in your brain absolutely absolutely well thanks for sharing that Wes you know I, I think it's here when yeah. I would like to just retake some of the things that you mentioned you know when that counterfeit again and things like that and I, I really like what you said about not trying to convince or push or or tell somebody to do something that you do or that anybody else does um, but one of the things that I do want to bring to the attention of everybody who listens is the idea that there are a lot of things that we must not let the devil to rob from us that Mm -hmm. God has established in there, in our systems, in our capacities and capabilities to be able to use, to utilize for our own benefit. And ultimately, and and, and first and foremost, I guess, for his glory. I mean, the reality is that when I think about that verse in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, present yourselves, you know, your body and your mind need to be in synchrony. And and Mm -hmm. I think of the fact that Christ took time to rest. He took time to meditate. I mean, um, uh, there is people who listen to the podcast who are not Adventists, who are Christians. But if I were to say, you know, the idea of of spirit of prophecy, writing the fact that he would, as as a child, meditate on the hills of Nazareth. As a child, he spent Mm -hmm. time studying what he created himself, which was, you know, to me, that's mind boggling. But uh, he spent time studying that meditating in the here and the now. Uh, and, and sometimes we take, because, because Satan has done a great job at putting mysticism that it comes from all sorts of weird stuff to put your mind in blank and do into whatever positions that people like to put themselves into. Uh, we start taking this idea of the word meditation, you know, it's kind of like a swear word sometimes in Christian circles, in fundamentalist circles. And the reality is that, uh, and prayer, you know, people talk about prayer and, and, uh, and, and contemplative prayer and, and contemplation is not a swear word and prayer is definitely not a swear word either. And, um, I, I guess the reality is, and something you mentioned quite specifically, it, I don't envision Christ sitting in a lot of position and humming himself to put his mind in blank into a spot where he right. cannot think anything. Mindfulness is not a swear word. It's actually 
denotes in the idea of placing our mind in a place of fullness in what we're doing here right now. And I know that I'm taking this out of context, but you know, when Christ says about, think about here and now, think about today, enough trouble is for tomorrow. Why are you worried? And he's talking more about the needs of people, but it is about the here and the now. We don't have yesterday. We can utilize it for our own experiences and we don't have tomorrow. Christ offers us tomorrow. And we depend on him. I don't think you're taking that out of context. That's exactly what he said. Don't worry about tomorrow, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. For sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. Yeah, yeah. Here, here and now. You know? I have this friend, uh, Dr. Lo. He's from Hong Kong. Um, and he wrote a book. He's a Christian himself. And he wrote a book on aspects of mindful meditation. And I had this uh, very, very small conversation with him about Christianity and meditation. And I said to him, I, I just was a bit, um, I don't know, tricky, challenging, or perhaps uh, obnoxious. Say, hey, what are you doing, man? You're writing this book. I thought you were a Christian. And he said, well, what do you mean? Christianity and, and mindfulness don't have to be against each other. Uh, and, and as I say no. these words, uh, Wes, I, I cringe a little bit, if I'm honest. I mean, you mentioned that you don't come out uh, to talk about this that much. And, and neither am I right now. My mindset has changed as I get to learn about the usefulness, even the scientific factors behind being able to sit down and think about all sorts of things in the here and the now and relaxing my mind, my body, my, the stress that I have. But I can imagine a many, maybe some people will call me back or send me messages and tell me about how everything that we talked here is from the devil. But the reality is that mindful meditation is just about taking the time to have your mind full. And hey, you know, maybe we could utilize yeah. this to embrace you know, what God in my now. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh-huh. uh, in my churches right now, we're going through the book Steps to Christ mm-hmm. in prayer meeting. And this we're in the chapter Growing Up into Christ. And, you know, the interesting thing about this chapter is, you know, she she compares the, the process of growing spiritually to um, the growth of a flower or a plant. Right. And, mm-hmm. and here in all my churches, for some reason, we, we talked about sunflowers. And if you get, I guess just north of here, there's a bunch of sunflower fields. If you get in a sunflower field, if you were to set a time lapse up, um, you would see the heads of the sunflowers throughout the course of the day just follow the sun. Mm. Like they would turn mm-hmm. with the sun from east to west, you know, and overnight they come, they, they droop and then in the mornings and they pick up in the east and they follow the sun to the west. Mm. They live 100%. Plants live 100% in the moment, right? That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, consider the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow, nor store in the barns, but, you know, the Lord provides for them the things that they need. They live 100% in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and he calls us to live in the moment also. And she talks about in that chapter that anything that separates us from Christ, that attracts our attention away from Christ, mm. is, is a method that the devil uses to, to separate us from the source and, and the power that actually transforms our life. Mm-hmm. So if I don't know how to control my thoughts and I'm, I'm living 20 years in a, in a made up future that I just made up on the spot, mm-hmm. um, then I'm separated from Christ, right? When I'm not able to focus on the task at hand, honestly, if, I, if I'm not able to live in the moment to, um, especially, you know, as a, as a Christian, I think our whole life should be, should be colored by the idea that we are, um, to, to do everything through the power of Christ, even the mundane parts of life, mm-hmm. right? So I have to be able to, to set my mind on Christ at any time. And in order to do that, I have to have awareness and control of my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's, 
that's why it's been essential for me to learn how to control my mind, even beyond the ADHD, right? That was just a side benefit. You know, that was, that was a bonus mm-hmm. for me that I learned that I, I could apply to that challenge that I have in my life. But when I, when I first set out to do it, it was just, I wanted to be more present in the moment. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be more aware of what God was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a tool because Christianity was not offering me anything to help me with that. Right. You know, I wasn't getting anything from, from traditional conservative Christian perspectives on how I would actually do that. Okay. Right. I was just told that I needed. And so that's what I, I went looking for something to help me accomplish what I believed was and everyone understands is, is a good and worthy goal of any Christian, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I needed something to help me accomplish that. Okay. Well, great. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that, Wes. I really appreciate your experience and, and the insights that you have uh, at the personal level, you know, with living with ADD and aspects of ADHD and how these ideas of filling your mind and having these checks in the here and the now have helped you uh, beyond the scope of medication. Mm-hmm. And hopefully in your journey, you'll find the right treatment, the right balance between both. Is there anything that you would like to add? Uh, as we finish this, if there are somebody out there struggling with uh, the identification, as we spoke about this in this podcast, and they say, hey, you know, I, I've been struggling. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm that guy, like Ryan, like Wes, who kind of read the book. I, I feel that um, my relationships have struggled because I cannot pay attention to many things, whatever, you know, maybe I cannot sustain a job for so long. What would you mm-hmm. recommend? What would you like to leave behind? So there's one thing in, in dealing with with ADHD that we didn't get to talk about here, okay. which is you know health, mm-hmm. general health, right? Like I'm not a, I'm not an overly healthy guy, okay. But um, uh, if I if I eat you know a little Debbie, which is like a, a sweet cake, right? Mm-hmm. Or I drink a soda, mm-hmm. I try not to do too much anymore. Um, then it amplifies the challenges that I'm facing, okay. Right? If I don't get enough sleep. Um, it's more challenging. Okay. And this is one of the things that I, when I'm working as a principal and I had kids that were, I mean, there were students who wanted medication. Their parents wouldn't give it to them. I was trying to talk to their parents about it. Um, you know, that you're not really allowed to, but I would just try to bridge the question. I try to suggest to them, like, maybe your kid should go to bed before 2 a.m. and not be drinking Dr. Pepper till midnight. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a, it's not, a, it's not, you know, even the medication, you could outwork the medication, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're not, if you're not getting enough rest, if you're not, um, you know, if you're eating a bunch of sugar, drinking a bunch of caffeine, mm. um, you know, I, I self-medicate with caffeine sometimes, you know, if I have something I need to get done, I will, I will use caffeine. Um, I know different, different dosages from different drinks that will give me, you know, focus for different amounts of time, but, um, I don't like to do that very much, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta take the whole person, right? So you gotta look at your, at your whole life. If you're serious about, about dealing with this, then maybe the first step is I think that a lot of people would think that they're ADD uh, when really they just are eating too much sugar and drinking too much caffeine and not getting enough sleep. Mm, mm. Um, you know, eat healthful enough. They're eating a lot of you know junk food. Mm. So start there. Mm. Um, start as a process elimination, mm. right? Um, you know, think about what you're doing. You know, I think I, I don't think not. The, I mean, I, I put a lot of trust and a lot of faith in, in the medical professionals that I work with. Mm-hmm. But you know, for different things, but. But you have to you have to think about it for yourself. So, you know, try things and, and see how it affects you. And 
Um, you know, but think about your lifestyle. Think about the medication component. Think about your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things factor in and I think can, can lessen the burden, um, specifically with, with ADHD, but probably with a number of, like, you know, depression and anxiety. Um, there's a time for medication and sometimes lifestyle can make a big difference. So you got to look at the whole person. Yeah. Awesome. That's excellent advice. Uh, it's, it is important to see the whole aspect. I, I, what we call a holistic approach to everything that we are living and, mm-hmm. and experiencing. Yeah. Have a bit of a reset, progressive process of elimination. Great. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I would like to then, um, end this episode. Um, I will, I'm going to ask about your social media nevertheless, but before I do that, there's something okay. that I would like to, um, I, I'm not going to endorse it, but I'm going to mention it, I suppose. And, and I do believe that this is something that got placed in my path literally within the last 24 hours. I wasn't even searching for it. I knew we were going to have this interview. I knew what we want to talk about, but I wasn't seeking for this. I, I had a, I had a, a client who, who actually she's not my client. She's more a friend, but she called me and she was feeling suicidal and we were talking about she can't sleep. She can do this. And, and one of the things that it's important is to fall asleep. And I was trying to, she's a, she's a Christian and I was trying to find something to help her out to, to, to relax and to go to rest. And as a result mm-hmm. of that, in the last 24 hours, I came across this app. It's called Abide, Abide. And, mm. uh, and I came through this app because I was trying to find some YouTube video that I could convert as an MP3, then I could send it to her through WhatsApp. And, and Abide, uh, there is a subscription and whatever else you can find out, but there's Android, iPhone as well, but there's free, free aspects of it. And it's really a well developed, um, process to to, re, to process to meditate in in christian passages uh whilst focusing on the here and the now so the ones that i listen are based on i best based on psalm 113 i think it was and it's basically talking about imagine psalm 113 and then imagine christ you know when he was when he was walking and talking and doing what he did for you and your salvation. And, and to me, that's such a beautiful thing because it's not about, again, we talk about this, putting your mind in blank and letting anything, anything all comes into your mind, but rather think about the here and the now. Think about, hey, you know, relax. Think about what Christ has done for you. So I would like to, li- to leave our listeners with that idea. Go and check it out. I'm not endorsing it. I haven't gone through the whole thing. So there might be things that are not there. Um, look, in many ways, I could, would consider myself to be a fundamental Christian. And, and I'm very careful about what I led my mind to be spending its time in. Because again, like Wes, I had my journey and I went through a lot of things. And now I'm like a big garden. But um, I, I appreciated what I listened there. And, and I recommended that to, to my friend. So I invite you all to remember what God is doing for you today, today. So Wes, I am assuming that somebody out there might be wanting uh, to say, hey, you know, I like what this guy is saying. I would like to have a chat with him. How can people contact you are you available are you free uh, you are busy uh, i say I, I think free is not the right uh, term uh, uh will you make yourself available <laughs> say like hey you know somebody i need to talk to this guy how, how can people do that if if, if they can yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I'm on Facebook and uh, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can hit me up on there. It's just West Vi W E S V I A. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a podcast. Yeah, tell um, us about the podcast. Can the, you tell us a summary uh, what you're doing your podcast? Because I would like people to also check that out. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, my podcast started around the ideas of, of leadership, creativity, and faith. And so I just wanted to have conversations with people mm-hmm. around those ideas, um, focusing on leadership, creativity from a faith perspective. And, and some of my conversations are with people that are not of faith. And, okay. But um, I just wanted to learn from people. Like I, I place a lot of value on, on people's experiences and want to learn mm-hmm. from them. And, uh, and so that's really what it is. It's just, it's just conversations with, with interesting people that I come across, um, on a variety of different topics. Um, this week, my episode was on, um, Adventist education and some of the future things that we could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week I'm talking with, uh, uh, Jennifer Jill Swerzer and we're just talking about, you know, uh, therapy and, and, okay. um, you know, mental health and some of the challenges that the Christians face trying to, um, yeah, so all nice. kinds of different things. I, I talk with musicians and artists and, uh, barbers and oh, wow. anybody that's got something interesting. Awesome. So that's the West Via podcast. Yep. And we find him on, yeah, you can find that pretty much everywhere that you get your podcasts. Okay. And, uh, and then on Facebook, the West Via podcast. Okay. Um, Instagram, do you have anything that we can follow there? Yeah, yeah, uh, at Wes underscore Vi on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, and that's, that's, I use, I only have one Instagram for my podcast and my personal, I do it all together. So simplify your life. That's, that's you get me on Instagram, you get the best of both worlds. Okay, awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Wes. I really, again, appreciate what you uh, have shared with us and the vulnerability that, it, that this brings to you and also the perhaps the rawness of, of your experience. So thank you. Thank you once again. Thank you for having me. No worries. Well, appreciate it. Nice. I hope that you who listen to this might embrace whatever is good and be able to utilize it for your benefit, for the glory of God. And until then, until I see you again, I'm Dr. Denzi, and I would like to choose today to love God and look after my mind and my body to glorify Him. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.